It's episode 338 of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. This week, we are releasing the episode that we recorded in Whistler. So if you remember, a few weeks ago, Claire and I had the honor and privilege of celebrating 10 years of CrossFit affiliates in Whistler. We had a blast. It was really fun. We talked about it on our previous Join Claire episode. But we recorded this episode in our hotel room with Alyssa Royce of Rocket CrossFit. We were hanging out the whole weekend, and we were just having such great conversations. I happened to bring my portable recorder and we sat down and had a lot to say about a lot of different things. This is a great episode if you just like random convos and uh, like to eavesdrop on people talking about life. We dive into a lot of different topics. Let's just leave it at that. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. You can go to our social media accounts. We are Joy and Claire underscore on Instagram, girlsgonewadpodcast.com. Please email us, girlsgonewad at gmail.com. We love your emails. We love your ideas. If you have feedback for us, if you want us to talk about a specific topic, we do read all your emails. If we haven't responded and you're like, why haven't they responded? I really need an answer to this. Send us another email. We can't respond to all of them, but if you email us enough times, if you're like really, really wanting us to respond. Eventually we'll be like, okay, fine. Sorry. We're horrible people that we don't respond to all of our emails. We have a couple of great episodes coming up as well. We did a House of Pod recording. Um, House of Pod is a podcast studio in Denver, Colorado. We had a recording podcast-a-thon, if you will, last weekend with a bunch of other podcasters. So we'll, we will be releasing those episodes soon. We recorded with Emily Schramm. That was wonderful met a lot of great fellow podcasters. And it's just, we never get to sit down and kind of connect with other people who do podcasts. A lot of the times you meet them over Skype, but it was a really cool thing that I wanted to do. And so we recorded for a few hours and we'll be releasing those very soon. We also have an episode coming up with Dr. Shaka. She answers all of your pediatric questions. She is a doctor. She's a pediatrician and we also have had her on. So a lot of great content coming up for you guys. And as always, we will continue the Joy and Claire episodes. So submit your questions for those. All right. Here's the conversation with Joy, Claire, and Alyssa. Pretty chewing gum. Yeah, I was like, this is not going to sound good at all. Okay, so we're back. We're in Whistler. Woohoo! <laughs> oh my god, you did not just do that. Okay, honor. <laughs> I'm just so disappointed that neither one of you whistled after you said. That. I know, and you were like looking at me like you were inviting the whistle, and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. A whistler. <laughs> oh, she didn't get it. No. <laughs> so in case anyone else listening didn't get it until just then, yep, there it was. There it was. I'm pretty didn't bad. you say there was an actual whistling competition? Let's hear about that for one mere moment. Oh, when I told my boss's boss I was going to Whistler, he was like, oh, I had a friend that went there for like the Whistling World Championships, and I thought he was messing with me, but he was not. You'd have to have him in Whistler. You'd have to. I, I guess so. It kind of blows my mind that there's a whistling Championship, it's but like, then I can't whistle. So. Yeah, it's like American Idol, but for whistling. Like they perform. It's like a. Perform- I really want to see a photo of that. For everyone. Not a photo. I want to see a video of that because that really would be. Yeah, I'd like want to know. Pull it up on YouTube. I'm sure it exists. Um, so we're sitting in a hotel room in Whistler, and we are just staring out at this beautiful mountaintop in just heaven. It's this gorgeous. is so pretty. So we're here for the 10 year affiliate celebration why are we here i don't know we were invited we don't own affiliates 
We don't own a CrossFit gym, but we... Alyssa does, at least. Alyssa does. <laughs> yes. I'm speaking for Claire and Some I. Some of us belong. Yeah. Okay, so um, talk a little bit about just why we're here in this weekend and like what we're celebrating since you actually own a gym. The truth is I'm not entirely sure. There's been some sort of um, ambiguity, I would call it. Everything's kind of a secret with CrossFit. It is. Everything's kind of a secret. So I don't think anybody knows why we're here, except that Greg invited us all here. Um, thank you, Greg. Thanks. Thank you. I mean, always thank you, Greg, really. Uh, you know, Greg says it's a it's a listening opportunity for him, um, so we could listen to people whistle, I suppose. I'm just saying, guys. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though. Like, I've already, like, seen people who I just know online from affiliate owners groups, and there have been these moments of recognition of, oh, you're that person. And, you know, so I think it's a chance for us to just be together. And let's be honest, ten, owning a gym for 10 years, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. How long have you been running a gym? <gasps> It's the secret. Yeah. Okay, Rocket's only been around for eight years. Yeah, but this, I mean, you, you say that like you're not like allowed to be here if you haven't owned a gym for 10 years. Let me reiterate, we don't even own gyms. Yeah. <laughs> like, like our guest pass, our pass says guest does yeah. not say yeah. affiliate you're, owner. Yeah. You're at least 80% of the way there. Owning a gym is hard. And I have to admit, like the last couple of weeks, I've definitely been in a place of like, why am I doing this? But it's back. It passed. Um, but it's hard. When you get to those moments, what are you thinking? Because here's, I want to bring up a point. Like everyone thinks like grass is always greener. I want to own my own business. Like we've talked a lot about that. Um, so talk a little bit about that process where you get that moment. And then how does it pass? You know, the moment, so the, the, the grass is never greener anywhere else. You can, you make your own green grass, even if you have to paint it, but it's, you know, owning a, owning a gym is hard. And I often jokingly say that it's like having 250 children, um, and I was definitely starting to feel like 250 children is just, it's just a bad idea. Like it's 250 people you can never make happy. Um, but then when I get that way, I peel back and I look at the changes in people's lives. Um, and there was just one particular day, a member of ours, I don't know, Nicole, if you're listening, I was in a particularly bad funk a couple weeks ago and I came in and Nicole had just left us a thank you note for no reason at all. Um, she's been a member for like six or seven years. And it just meant everything to me to be able to step back and look at the impact that you're having on other people's lives. So I think whenever I feel any sense of despair, it's because I'm focusing only on myself. Um, and the best thing for me to do is to step outside and look at the ripple effects on everybody else. And so that's what I do. Yeah, which is good. I think it's good for people to hear that. Claire, you, you made a good post a couple weeks ago just about like how you wanted to be go out and be entrepreneur and then you kind of made this evolution of like working for someone else actually feels really good can we talk about that for just a moment because i feel like that's a really good topic of people especially in the instagram social media world where everyone's like be your own boss and you'll never have to work a day in your life like oh <laughs> yeah i think it's more like be your own boss and you're literally gonna be working the whole time yes. yeah totally. <laughs> but i think like so i remember like when i first quit my job i had no and i this is a whole other episode which we can we'll definitely do but when i first quit my job I was so, I mean, I had left a very, very toxic environment. And so it was very much like, I never want to go back to working in a corporate environment again. Like, I'm never going to work for a public company again. Like, had all of these very hard and fast rules of like, I'm never going to do that again. And pretty soon after I quit, um, you and I went to LA and we had lunch with Lisa Bilyeu, who I specifically remember being like, Joy, whatever you do, don't let Claire go get another job. Like, this is your chance. You're going to like finally make something with your life type of attitude. And everyone, yeah. and the, but they're coming from, <laughs> I mean, so they're, dismissive. but they're wow. coming from like, they've created I, this empire. Yeah. They've created this empire. And like, when I look at their lives, I'm also like, that's also not what I want. Like, 
they have, and you know, both of them will tell you all day long, like, yes, their business is their number one priority. Everything else in their life revolves around this, including their health and their marriage, everything. They're the center of it all is their business, which is not what I want either. And so, but in my mind, I was like, less, you know, like Lisa Bilyeu and that like extreme version, maybe aside, I still looked at other people in my life, you know, like Emily Schramm or Julie Bauer or, you know, other people who own gyms, like, um, you know, the, the owners of Verve and like, you know, the owners of Roots and all these people who I love and really respect and think like, okay, they're running like it's still a tangible business. They're not just, you know, they're not, um, I didn't really want to go out and be an influencer. But anyway, the point of this is that I really, really thought, okay, now quote unquote, this is my chance. And like, now I have this opportunity to be an entrepreneur and live my dream. And it was like, I just assumed that that was what I wanted because that's what a a lot of other people around me who I respected were doing. Mm -hmm. And then I tried it. I mean, for what, like a year and a half and it sucked. I didn't like it. And it really surprised me to find that I didn't like it. And I really, it took me a long time to admit that I didn't like it. And I just kept trying to make it work. And I kept just like really feeling like I, some, it was not clicking and I wasn't getting this feeling of satisfaction from it. And I realized like what I want, and maybe this will change in my, you know, as I go to another phase of my life. But like right now, the phase I'm in is that I want work to be very separate from the the rest of I want to be able to separate it from the rest of my life. My I have so many other priorities right now that I want my job to be something that I can like go to work, you know, enjoy myself, work in a place where I feel supported, and that's my number one priority is to find a place where I feel supported um, as a mom particularly, but also, you know, just through my lifestyle. But then I like leave my work at work. I don't even bring my computer home at night. And that is something that I have already made very clear boundaries around and I wasn't able to do that when I was, you know, trying to like be my own boss. Like you always felt on. Yeah. So the, I want to unpack some of that because there's, there's two things that are packed up in there. One is the sort of crazy notion of work hard, play hard. Um, and people used to say that to me and I'd be like, so I actually don't want to do anything hard. Like I'm just <laughs> not, I'm not in, I'm not into hard. Uh, well, some things. There's uh, <laughs> a sexual innuendo in there somewhere, okay. excuse me. With me, there's always a sexual innuendo. Um, but but then the other side of it is that this this sort of culture of more that we always yeah. need to have more. And and I've also never been one of those people because enough is actually enough. Like that's literally what the word means. Um, and Brady, my husband, is super good at reminding us that we are by any human measure wealthy, mm-hmm. right? And compared to our friends, we're not. Compared to the people who could afford to pay for our gym, maybe we're not. But but we have everything we need. Anything after this is excess. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, like, what are we working for? Um, and there's nothing that I need. So no, then it gets, makes it easier for me to work for social change, because that's actually what I care about, um, that I don't want more. And I don't want it to be hard. I want my life to be, like, easy-ish and happy and controllable and contained, you know? Yeah, you want to be within your means. Totally. So that, well, and I, I think about that too, even just from like an economic standpoint, like I think I talked about this in the podcast recently, like we live in, in a, the house we live in now is, you know, in a very, I mean, we live in Boulder County, like yeah. how, you know, it's Boulder County, but <clears throat> it's, um, you know, we live in this little house, it's built in the seventies, like it's, it's a very, it's, it's perfect. Like it's, you know, it's, it's all that we need, but nothing more. Right. And in my mind, you know, there's it feels like there's this assumption that 
is like, well, of course, eventually you're going to want to move into a bigger house. Like, this is a starter home. Like, yeah. you're not going to be in a, you it's know. It's built into the culture. Yeah. It's and crazy. it's like, what would it look like if I, if we really did just say, you know what? Yeah, this isn't a fancy house, but like, it's, it's a enough. roof overhead. It's enough. It's more, you know, space, it's enough bedrooms, whatever, the whole thing. And then what could we do with the space it would create in our life to not have a mortgage that's like at the brink of what we can afford or not have a house that like we can't keep clean or, you know, whatever that like, mm-hmm. what are all the things that come along with a bigger house? And like, yeah, we might be able to have a dining room or whatever, but like, sure. but uh, yeah, I get caught up in that a lot. Like I'll overthink it. Cause I'm like, okay, we have a great setup right now. Your house what? is the best. You have a my house is the best tree in your house. Yeah. I have a great house. <gasps> I have a tree in my living room. <laughs> It's a great house. That's awesome. Yeah. But there's times when you like have what you have and you're used to it and you're like, well, what if we want to move and get something bigger? Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? But then you kind of go along with like, it just would be nice to experience that. Like, is there anything wrong with experiencing that? Not really. But I kind of go in a loop where I'm like, uh, like, then are you just consuming more and focusing on that? But then I don't want to throw shade to people who live in mansions that like have this, like, I don't want to look down on people who have all this money either like it's confusing to me you're i think you're you're probably kinder than i am which is true of most people. well what do you think about that though like, I, I i find i honestly find conspicuous consumption of resources to be really kind of gross and an ethical failing um and i do have fairly strong opinions about that you really do because you got real postured <laughs> when you said that Sad, i was like, very straight, like yeah let me tell you let me tell you <laughs> Alyssa, SmackDown. Like, there's not like the, like there's a there's the environmental impact for sure, but there's also this like there's this social impact that then feeds more consumption and feeds more consumption, and it ultimately it feeds this engine in which nobody's ever happy because we don't have enough. Um, we're not good enough. We're not big enough. We're not fancy enough. We need to consume more, and then that you know feeds this monster that then destroys the planet, and people are just like living to feed the monster and. You know, I don't know, I had this sort of ranty Facebook post the other day about Jeff Bezos, who God knows I probably single-handedly keep him alive. Um, But the amount of wealth that he is hoarding is absolutely amoral. Um, And I don't understand how you can hang on to more money and things than you can ever spend or use while people literally starve. And so I'm pretty hardwired in that way. And if you, you know, if you saw my house, my house is, it's, I have have an extremely nice house. Um, but I think there's a fine line where you, you sort of cross over from, okay, this is enough to this is just too much. This is just stupid. And I couldn't, like, one more square foot, and I would feel like my house was stupid. And know? I think, like, you know, I say these things, that if you were to come to my house, like, I definitely already have more than I need. Yeah. And there's, you know, we have more stuff than we have space for. Like, we, you know, have a shed in the back for, like, our other random crap. Me too. I own, like, ten backpacks for some reason. You know, just, like, these types of things yeah. where, like, I literally just bought another gray cowl neck sweater I, I'm pretty sure I own 10 of those already because I love the yeah. Calnex sweaters. It's like my uniform. We were talking about all the, the black uh, bomber jackets or puffer yeah. jackets that we have. Yeah. Like when we were in Lululemon today, we're like, how many do we have? Do we need another one? Like, no, no we, I, don't, we don't need another one. None I, need in one. Patagonia, had to mentally talk myself out of buying a second black Patagonia vest, of which I already own the exact same one. I just don't have it here with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Claire, you literally own this vest. Like, yeah, walk away. But I, I do think we also, this sort of gets back to something we were talking about at lunch, of just sort of, you know, the, the difference between acceptance and love, right? Mm-hmm. That, that like, we, we, are, we are still who we are. And it's, I don't want to penalize someone under or throw shade, as you said, on somebody who has things, because I certainly have things. It's just knowing 
it's like in a workout or something else, knowing how to scale it so that you're not, so that you're doing good and not harm, right? And I think just that self-awareness around it too. But I, and I, another thing that we were talking about um, earlier before we hit record was about the, like kind of putting things out in the world, whether or not you truly are really comfortable with it. Like we were talking about, you know, kind of body acceptance and showing up in a space, you know, wearing a bikini or getting ready for a workout when you know that there are, you know, social rules out in the world that may discourage you from make you may may make you feel discouraged from doing that, from showing up in a space in a bikini, from showing up at the affiliate, you know, gathering and being like, hey, I'm here to do the workout, you know, and like having people look at you and be like, okay, uh, are you sure? <laughs> and But that you doing that gives other people the permission to do that as well. Totally. And like, that, I mean, like for me, like I've really had to come to a place where I am okay with, I want to be okay and hopefully, usually I'm okay with walking into a space knowing I'm going to be the most scaled athlete in here. And if that gives someone else permission to walk in and be like, oh, if she's here, that means I can do this too. 100%. Or like, you know, I'm going to be the person who's who walks in, you know, wearing something that if somebody was like, oh, well, if she's wearing that, then I can be more relaxed about what I'm wearing. Uh, you know, whatever that you feel like this could have a million examples. But I think that also could be within the ways we choose to live. Like, well, if they're perfectly happy living in a 1972 brick rectangle, mm-hmm. then like I too am going to not worry about, you know, becoming like an indoor, de- an interior design blogger just as like my side, my side hustle. Totally. Yeah, I totally believe that. That that yeah. setting the example of enough is enough, okay is okay, I am good enough. Like this is and it's just simple. It's not it's not aspirational. It's it's accepting. And that yeah. and I think that's super important and there's not enough of it. So, I love this conversation too because we don't talk really about like money or wealth a lot. Um I think it's just an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people. I know about you, you're just very like put it out there, put it up front. <laughs> like even something as simple about like, we're at the, at the, at lunch, you're like, can you do separate checks? That to me, I'm like, oh, we have that conversation. I usually do that at the end. Like, is it okay? I'm like, right. that's so silly to me. Why do we kind of act weird? A lot of people have weird relationships around money, probably the same as we have weird relationships around food. Yeah. Um, but we don't talk about that a lot. I think too, how you're raised, right? Like how you're raised in like the generations we come from. There's a couple things that I want to talk about. One is like your visions around money and wealth. But also, I was kind of in this generation, probably like in my 20s and 30s, where like the secret became a big fucking deal. Oh and and it was very like everyone just all of a sudden was like, you can get whatever you want. <sighs> and, and it was really a conflict for me because I grew up being like, you got to be scrappy and you got to work your butt off. And my parents made not a lot of money. And so I worked my butt off since I was a kid and worked three jobs in college. And I was so my my mentality has always been like, work, 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 work your butt off to get to earn what you need. And so I feel like that was really confusing because then all of a sudden then social media kind of took over. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like bombarded with these messages of like, no, you can't have whatever you want. So I don't know if you I mean, I try to like marry the two because I'm like, sure, I don't want to like sell myself short. But I'm also like, and I can't get past the idea that we just got to work our butts off. Like, there's two. Well, well uh, so, uh, so uh, unsurprisingly to anybody who knows me, I hate the secret because it's magical thinking that manages to blame bl- victims for not having what they want. So if you were only a virtuous enough person or had positive enough thoughts, right. if you the only had a specific up. enough dream board. Yeah. It, right. and, and it's so victim blamey because it, it completely ignores all of the systems that are set in place to hold the vast majority of people 
back. So I hate the secret and I hate magical thinking. Now that said, I do have an enormous amount of faith and hope and I believe in those things. But all of those things still serve to separate you from reality and from any ability to look at yourself and acknowledge that you have enough and you are good enough. And those things still ultimately, you know, strive to feed the machine. And so I find that really problematic. Um, I'm much more, much more apt to help people look around themselves and realize the bounty that they already have, and tune into the things that you already have that already bring you joy and already keep you safe and already make you happy and already make you probably a more fortunate person if you're listening to this than the vast majority of the world. And, and the minute you separate people from their ability to look at the reality of their lives, you disempower them, like literally disempower them. And that's when they start, you know, trying to be something different or buy something more or try another diet pill or buy a faster car or whatever in order to fill this void where if you taught them to really check in with their world, you know, most of our voids are actually more full than we realize. Yeah. I think about that like today when we're in Lululemon, like that whole thing. We're in a beautiful place. We're surrounded by wealth. And there's just a lot that kind of goes through my mind where I'm like, man, let's just consume, consume, consume. And we're in this beautiful space where I'm like, I don't need anything. I could sit here in this room. We're sitting right by a window with beautiful trees. I'm like, I could just stare at this tree all day and be fine. Like, it's so funny. And then and then we're like in Lululemon, surrounded by beautiful things. And what I try to do is I try to be like, I can appreciate all this beauty and I don't have to buy it. Like, I don't have to have it. I don't have to own it. Back to the thing about like victim blaming and like making sure it's like, well, if you would only have just thought more positive, those things wouldn't have happened to you. I agree is total bullshit. But I think it just confused a lot of people about like, well, if I only just had some positive thinking in my life, I would have all the wealth I want. Like, we're talking about two di- we're talking about apples and oranges here. Like, yeah, we're not saying like, okay, don't have don't have positive you know, don't think positively about things. Don't try to see the best in every situation, but that's not going to fix the situation no. inherently. Not or not even fix it, but it's Good, not going to change. Happy, optimistic it. people still get cancer, right? Like it's just you. You can't do that. Yeah, I think it was like that. Back to that point is like I feel like that was then trying to solve the mystery of the world, and I'm like, you're never going to solve that. Right. No. Like bad things and are, and good things are going to just keep happening. And I I agree that I think you can have a good outlook look on things, and that's probably healthier. Mm-hmm. I agree that you could just be like you know, crap happens and I'm going to deal with this with my support system. And I agree that like, that's probably going to be less stress on your body and therefore blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the rest of that story. But I feel like the overall like arching thing of just, well, your thoughts equal things. I'm like, I, I get it. And I don't think that's the answer. Like, I don't think that's going to just prevent bad things from happening to you. Do dopamine and cortisone impact your body? They absolutely do. Like we know that, but you can't sort of manifest. I hate the word manifest. Like you say manifest to me and my eyes are going to roll. You can't manifest world change. Like you have to actually do the work to understand you know, your role in it. And I think we're talking about perspectives too, right? Like, cause I, you know how they say like, don't say like the war on drugs, the energy you're putting out is like against something. I get that. I kind of get that. I think the perspective, it's like better, I don't know, not accepted, but like people can hear it better if you're just like, let's speak in the terms of like what you want to focus on. Like I get that too. Anyway. You know, I I will say like, if I, if I have one ninja skill, it's my resilience and my resilience is definitely Brady laughs at me all the time because I can pivot so quickly. If something doesn't go the way I wanted it to or expected it to, I'll be like, okay, pivot, let's find the next opportunity. So I do think that, you know, every, everything that happens does present an opportunity to you, but we have to learn people learn we have to learn people we have to teach people how to look for that opportunity and look for the bright side without pretending that the dark side isn't really dark right so you can't gaslight people yeah and i think finding solutions is a really important skill like i think it's always good to see yeah where you can look at for anyway 
Okay, so enough about that. I just think that's a really important. I think it, it's really in the forefront of my mind because we're here and we're kind of surrounded by all this wealth. And and let's be honest, like we're kind of in this like status, like CrossFit is kind of statusy. Oh yeah. I mean, okay, guys, like we upgraded to first class for our flight here, like because it was like, you know what? Why not? Like we, you know, we're gonna treat treat yourself kind of mentality. But I think it's it, like we always joke about how when we um flew to Greg's house last year that by the time we took off back from California to Colorado, like I was like, I'm already used to flying in a private jet. Like this is my new normal. <laughs> I'll accept nothing less. <laughs> I will say when I, because I fly so much, I'm, I often get upgraded to first class and I always get on last because I hate the feeling of having people walk past me while I'm sitting in first class. Oh my so God. I'm, really... I'm the so opposite. I'm like, I don't need to sit down and I need to put my headphones on yeah, and I no. need to just block out what's happening. No, I just like, because I am, I am really, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I just like, I don't need it. I don't need it rubbed in people's faces. I, I was telling one of you guys the sto- story earlier. We've been shopping and talking all day. I, when I met my husband, Brady, who, whatever, he's wonderful. We've already established that. But the relationship before him, I was dating this, uber 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 wealthy guy who had just the fanciest most expensivest of everything and it was a pretty terrible relationship and he was probably a pretty terrible dude but then i met brady and he comes rolling up for our first date in i think a 25 year old subaru station wagon with this bobblehead super glued to the front of the hood and my first thought was, I love this guy. He has nothing to prove. And that Subaru has like stood as sort of a metaphor for everything to me because it was like, it wasn't wasteful. It still worked. There was no reason to upgrade. He had nothing to prove to anybody. Here is this guy who's just going to roll through life, making it work and be happy. And I feel like that Subaru, which I still miss, you know, I, I refer to that thing in my mind a lot. So like looking at the house, like I'd sort of like a bigger kitchen, but you know, our kitchen's a good Subaru. Like it totally works. Yeah. So the Subaru is, you know, be the Subaru. Be the Subaru. <laughs> We're going to have another quotable moment. Yeah. I want to like extend that to our bodies too. Like, can we just be like, you know what? At the end of the day, what I, works. yeah, like what I maybe like, you know, X, Y, Z thing to look a little different or be a little different or be a little stronger, or be a little more bendy or, you know, tan or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I could probably pick out a couple of things that I'd, I'd change, but like, this is a pretty good body. It's getting me where well, I need to works, go. it works, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I wake up For in the, the morning. Part. So like what? I wake up, I go to work out at 7 a.m. So if I don't, then I won't. And then I can go throw pots for a while and I can go take a long walk for the dog and then I can cook dinner and then I can have some awesome sex and then I can go to sleep. And it's like that, this body works. Like... It's a bit of a Subaru, but it works. Right. It's like, maybe it doesn't always do exactly what I want it to. Like, the heat takes a little while to kick on. And, like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't get, like, the best gas mileage anymore. <laughs> but, like... Yeah. Like, what stories, though? Like, when you're talking about that, made me think of, like, when I lived in Arizona and I had a hatchback Honda Civic yeah. with no AC. Right. Yeah. Like, no I, AC. And it would overheat on the freeway. When I, met I had Brandon, menopause, no AC. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> when I met Brandon, he drove, like, a 1988 Honda Accord which eventually blew up on the highway with my mom. Was I totally remember that. Yeah. We named it Mabel. When it was too cold outside in, like, in the mountains in the winter, we'd have to, like, sweet talk it to make sure it was going to turn on when we tried to get it to go. But, like, it was a great little car. Yeah. Yeah, and then you don't have car payments, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, you got back to something you were saying about the house is it's like I could spend more money having a super fancy car or a bigger fancy house, or I could take that money and go, go to Portugal for two weeks, which mm-hmm. we're getting ready to do. So I really, you know, I don't. Have things or do things. I'd rather do things. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, it. it is just still like a, a question of perspective. 
people's values are different. What people want out of life is different. And like if you're, you know, you're not going to be happy until you do have that bigger house. Who am I to tell you that that's wrong? That that's the wrong values to have. But it, but if you can't be happy in, in this house, you can't be happy in a bigger yeah. house. It's so true. Yeah. So have you ever been in a situation where you had a lot of money and then you had less money? I have. Well, access to, but yeah. Access to. And were you any happier? And no, if anything, I was far less happy. Yeah. So it's really interesting because like, I think about that of over the year, periods of my life where I look back and I'm like, right now, I feel like I make pretty good money for a woman. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But I'm like, a woman who's a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, we're not like, supposed to make a lot of money, supposed to. But I'm like, I never thought I'd make what I'm making right now as a therapist. And like, I look back at the days where I was a brand new therapist. And I was, you know, kind of scrapping along. And I don't remember ever being like any happier. Or no. like right now, I'm like, if I made more, I think so of sure. I think of Shuri Chan. <laughs> Shuri Chan said something really, really good. Where I was like, that's exactly what my goal in life is. I want to go to Whole Foods and I want to go to Target, and I don't want to have to worry about how much how much things cost. Yeah. Like I can go to Target and I can buy what I need. I can go to Whole Foods and I can buy what I need, and I don't have to look at the price tag. That's that's all I want in life. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's fairly simple. And like, I don't think making more or having more would make me any happier. And I look back and I'm like, back when I was like scrapping along, living off student loans, I don't remember. I mean, it was stressful. Like there's more stress, but that's not unhappiness. Like it was stressful because I was like, oh, I got a budget I got to stick to. And oh, I can't go out to dinners with my friends. And that would stress me out. But I don't think back and be like, I was miserable. I'm like, it was just something you had to be really careful about. But more money does... It's yeah. so weird. It's so weird. Well, I just want to be able to have my mortgage on auto pay. Yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. Love that. Yes. yes. And not have to like move money around every month to like not get yes, overdrafted right. when my mortgage hits. Exactly. You know, so I feel like, so as, because this is an affiliate owner gathering, I feel like this really, it, it ties back to a conversation that Brady and I have all the time when we talk about things like the membership rate at our gyms or what we pay people. Um, and I know there's this co- conversation that happens all the time about uh, affiliate owners who don't pay coaches, which if you want to see me sit upright and get get, get a smackdown, Alyssa yeah. smackdown. Don't yeah, I heard you talking about that with that dude at the gathering earlier. Yeah, no, that just it just pisses it, me off. No end. Explain. Well, I, I think it's fairly common in the CrossFit affiliate world to not pay your coaches and just have them, quote, work off a membership. Um, and I, I think that's bullshit because ultimately the product that we are selling is our coaching. And it would be like like a grocery store saying to a farmer, hey, thanks for all these apples, but I'm going to go ahead and sell them. And I don't have enough money really to go ahead and pay you for the apples. So if you'll just keep bringing me apples, I'm going to keep selling them, but I'm not going to pay for your apples. Like nobody would do that. And that's what it is. When when affiliates don't pay coaches, that's what it is. And there's not, I, it's not something I feel like there's room for negotiation about. But you know, I look at I know what my payroll is, I know how much money I take in every month. And I know how much I pay out in payroll. So I certainly understand the temptation because dude, we would have so much money if we didn't pay our coaches, but I wouldn't sleep at night. And I have this fairly tightly wound moral compass as we've been discussing. Um, And so I, I understand that temptation. And that's when it's really useful to be able to go back and say, Okay, what do I believe? Um, I believe that enough is enough. 
um, what do I believe? I believe that I don't want life to be hard. If I don't want life to be hard for me, then I don't want it to be hard for my coaches either. And since I have enough, I'm going to go ahead and make that decision to pay them a very good living wage, to, you know, give them paid time off, to give them sick days, to help pay for their education so that they are happier and better and able to advance in their lives. But if you don't have that perspective that enough is enough, and that I don't want life to be hard for me or anyone else, it's easy to say, you know what, that 30 grand a month I'm taking in, I'd rather just go ahead and keep that. And I think that's when we start to make decisions that I think are, are at best ethically ambiguous. Um, and at worst, really feed gets back to feeding that machine of just making more money to have more for no real reason. Yeah. So do you think do you give your coaches like free gym membership too? Oh, yeah. 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 So it's yeah, gym free gym membership for coaches is like, that's not I mean, yeah, it's like a no brainer. And then you pay them, obviously. Um, Why do you think people do that, though? I mean, why why would coaches put up with that? Of Like, oh, I just get a free gym membership. And I, I wish I knew. Um, I mean, some of it because I think it's the norm. I mean, I've done that. Like, it feels like when you're sitting there, you know, having that conversation with the gym owner, and they're like, okay, well, here's how this is gonna work. And they're like, when they just position it as this is how it works you know it's like you're gonna coach 10 classes a week and you know the first whatever 10 classes you coach each month just go towards your membership then it's like and and they just say it to you like a it's just is what it is you're kind of like okay yeah <clears throat> you know and i think very especially with mo- with newer crossfit coaches which a lot you know trainers which a lot are you know have only ever coached at one or two places if that's all they've ever known then they don't think to think wait a minute this isn't this actually isn't really like helpful for me all they're experiencing is i don't know why i can't make this work right and they but they don't necessarily think to say oh it's because they're not paying me for a quarter of my work and or they think well you know this is just how it is like everyone must do it this way i really like my gym owner i'm not going to push back on this i want to be a part of this community and so like this is just what it is that's so and the whole like i really like my gym owner thing makes me so mad (laughs) because to have somebody treat you with so little respect and to have you just accept it and say oh okay you know it's not it's it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's terrible Okay, so let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the first episode we did with you. We got a lot of people responding to the discussion around inclusion and CrossFit gyms, which was really cool because I think I didn't realize so many people would be struck so hard by that. I think, again, because we live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And I love my bubble. Yeah, I have a good bubble. (laughs) And so when people were like, oh my gosh, this was so enlightening. I learned so much listening to this episode. Of course, we're like super pumped about that. But I was surprised because, wow, people don't live this way, you know? So I think I just want to reiterate how important that was. And thank you for that. But also, how can people continue that discussion? Because that was a really good kind of momentum starter. But like, how do they keep that momentum going if they want to make those changes in their gym? And maybe they're not a gym owner, but they go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? It's a hard thing, I think, to just like listen to one podcast episode. But I think what we're talking about is like, continuing to make change like are the, maybe it's outside of the gym like do they get in, are there other ways that they can get involved are there other things that people can do to help this you know, movement I think I, I think that one of the things you can do and I will try and do a really good job on my own social media of helping feed people other people they should follow but intentionally curate your your echo chamber so that it's less of an echo chamber so seek out if you're on instagram seek out people who who are a different race from you who are a different size from you or a different age from you a different 
just a, a different way of looking at the world. Uh, my name is Jessamine. On, do you follow her on Instagram? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, she's one of my absolute favorites, because nothing about her looks like looks like my life. And she just blows my mind every time I open it up. So I think one thing is to is to do that, I would start actually actively unfollowing people who make you feel bad, um, and make you feel like you're not good enough. And so there's a lot of I think there's a big movement of Instagram influencers, who are have that aspirational nature of, of if only you had this bag, or if only you were skinnier, or if only you had this makeup, or only you had this. I'm so guilty of that. Like, I still want to be cupcakes and cashmere. And I'm like, I'm never gonna be her. Yeah, but you're so I want to I want to be Batty Winkle. That's who I follow. <laughs> also, um, hon, real quick, if you guys are not didn't hear our first episode with Alyssa, it's episode 331. Thank you. Well, who's Batty Winkle? You know. Batty Winkle, she's like you know, She's like 90, I think. 90. She's like, you know who she, I can't just, okay, okay, yeah, she's amazing. Okay, I'll pull great. her up. Okay, great. Yeah. Batty Winkle's amazing. But I, so I, I think, I think step one is to unfollow the people that make you feel bad and then seek out the people who make you feel good. Um, and from, from there, you can see who those people follow. So I did this once on Twitter where I read a book that I loved. I'm a huge reader. Um, and as soon as I finished it, I tweeted the author and I said, okay, I just finished this book. What should I read next? Um, and, and so I had a good chain going for a while, but I think that system works. So find somebody outside of your comfort zone and outside of your sphere who you like, and then look at who they follow and follow, follow those people and start really like changing the shape of your field. Um, obviously follow Outwad, uh, cause, cause they're, they're great. Um, you can follow me, follow you guys. Um, but then I think also find the people who you're safe talking to and, and actually try to, to push on that conversation. We were talking at lunch, uh, Claire was saying the importance of wearing a bikini just so that somebody else could see and create space for it. And you can do that also. Every single one of us can ask our gym owners, you know, hey, have you thought about XYZ? Don't come to them with an answer. Don't come to them pretending that you know everything, but just say, hey, have you thought about? Um, I did write a blog post once telling everybody to ask their gym owners if they paid their coaches. That went over well. Um, but, but you know, figure out what you stand for. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, and ask yourself if you're actively, are you actively living a life that embodies the things that you say you stand for? How did we get here? <laughs> well, no, I, I, mean, I feel like they'd I be so disappointed. In us. Well, no, so, so I have, so, so I, I, I would use my own mother as an example in some ways. So my mother and I have what could best be called a strained relationship. I have no idea if she would ever listen to this, but I feel like even she would say that's putting it nicely. But there were some things that my mother did really, really, really right, right? So my mother in the 1970s was obsessed with belly dancing. And that woman would walk around half naked belly dancing. It, it was mortifying to me. Like it was easily the worst thing in the world. Um, but I'm so by the way, my mom had a belly dance uh, stint in her life. And she did. Yeah, it was really cute. <laughs> No, but it's like, so, you know, and she was like, you know, she was never a svelte woman, at least not since I've known her. And she always wore a bikini, right? Like, so she, you know, she was, she never talked about any of these things, but she put forward this example. And so I guess I would remind everybody that in every decision you make, other people are watching you. And I don't mean that in a creepy stalker way or in a you need to impress people to be cool enough way, but in a way that you should be really, really aware that you're either feeding the good things or the bad things, right? You're either, you know, you're either a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw, right? Like you're like, you're, you're on one side or the other. And if you start really looking at yourself from the outside and say, okay, what am I putting into this world? You know, am I promoting ideas that are hurting other people or am I promoting ideas that are healing the world? Well, I think just what you said a minute ago of like, you know, what are your values and are you doing things that feed into that? Like, it's such a simple question to ask yourself. And I, and yeah, I think it's something that we 
don't consciously think about enough as we make our day-to-day decisions. Well, we like, so when I do my inclusive coaching workshops, that's literally my first question is, okay, we're all going to sit down and write down your mission statement as a coach. And the blank stares I get are just massive. Like, mission statement, what? I'm like, no, there's something has to feed, you know, how, how you coach. And then, you know, the next, the next step, of course, is so why? Like, how are we going to use that mission statement? So you've got a room full of athletes and you're confronted with a situation, whatever it is, you're going to use that mission statement to decide what your solution is. That becomes ultimately becomes your compass. And certainly as a gym owner, you know, like Brady and I have a mission statement. We are about inclusivity. We are about empowerment and we are about community. So when we have to make a decision, say, do we raise gym rates? For instance, we can put it against that and say, okay, we need to, in order to keep this community alive. However, what are we going to do to make sure people aren't left out when we raise our rates? Right? So that mission statement is always there for us so that when we have to make a decision that's what we use like that is literally our weights and scales to figure out how we make decisions so when I do this in the you know coaching workshops I always do it first because I know people are going to have absolutely no idea what their mission statement is like nine out of ten times nobody has a clue that they even should have a mission statement and then we spend six hours going through all of these exercises and all these workshops and then I say okay let's do the mission statement thing again and everybody's mission statement has changed because now you understand that the little things you do have a profound impact, not only on your community, which is a semi nebulous thing, but on the actual lived experiences of other human beings, right? So, you know, if I say like, well, I'm, you know, I believe in RX, it's like, okay, great. So the other side of that, and you guys know how I feel about this, is that you're creating a situation where, where many people are feeling like failures. It's true, yes, that one or two very competitive people need, think they need that RX in order to push themselves. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to weigh the needs and desires of these one or two competitive people per class against the 12 people who, you know, opted out of PE because PE scared them. So but you have this you have this mission statement. So now. I think some people would argue I'm just be- being like devil's advocate. Some people would argue like, yeah, but you need like some type of gauge to know where to start. Like RX kind of gives people a, a, a ballpark. Right. But it but RX doesn't give people a ballpark. I, I feel so strong. Some people would argue that you know, know what I mean? I, like, I, I think agree. That's the that, argument. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, you know, that one of the one of the things that makes cross across is that's measurable, but like measurable against what? Yeah. And I think like measurable is relative. And if you were to say like, okay, RX is, you know, a 250 pound deadlift. Maybe what you really mean is like RX is like as heavy as you can go for three for three reps. Right, and that's how and that's how we do it. Yeah. So right, so we do like a percentage of, or uh, you know, rate of perceived exertion. So mm-hmm. it should it should be this hard. So I agree, you got to give people a ballpark. You know, you got to tell them where they're looking, but you can't. You know, I can't judge my deadlift against you know one of the daughter's deadlifts, like, that's just stupid, right? And so, you know, so by sticking with traditional RX as a as a set and arbitrary standard versus RX as a percentage of max or a perceived rate of exertion, two really different things, you can accomplish the goal either way, one way makes everybody feel personalized and empowered, the other way makes, you know, most of the people feel like they're not good enough. I would argue that, you know, mm-hmm. one of those ways is better than the other. <laughs> so the last time we talked on the podcast too we talked a little bit about well at the end i was like oh i wish we could talk about the dress code thing that came up so we talked a little bit about this at lunch Mm -hmm. and i would like to continue this discussion now what were your thoughts around (laughs) i'd like to take a vote (laughs) i would like to take a vote i'm going to take a nap (laughs) just to give you some context earlier i was like okay so our plans next let's take a vote I vote lunch, podcast, and then I'm going to take a nap. 
Is everyone good with that? We're all good. It's all good. Can you take a vote on that? Um, what, what do you think about what happened with the dress code? Uh, again, we talked a little bit about this at lunch. So I think the main point was like, I know that media can get blown up and news stories can make things sound, you know, more dramatic than they are. But what do you think about what happened? I think also like when we started talking about this over lunch, my initial reaction was like, oh, uh, like this, this, we're beating a dead horse at this point. Like this has been discussed. It's been like, let's move on. But then I think it's the bigger, the bigger context around it, which is around the placement of bodies in culture and in space and in different places of like what's expected there. And the fact that that conversation is something that very much needs to be had. Very much still needs to be had. And I, and I agree with you, Claire, because I think that we're not talking about the conversation going around in circles, but I think you have a good perspective on it too. So what do you think? So there's two, I think there's two things that need to be unwrapped in here. One is sort of ideas about shame about bodies. And the other is this compulsive need that we have to sexualize bodies. Two separate things which conflate and they get all smushed up in dress codes. So first, the shame issue that generally speaking, we hide things we're ashamed of. And so there's this whole idea when you have to cover up a body uh, because it's not good enough. I, I find that to be really, really troubling because then we're teaching people that they should be ashamed. Conversely, when the only bodies that get uncovered are the ones that are super fit, we're still telling people that they need to cover themselves up if they're not super fit. And so that that sort of that whole thing. But then there's this idea of that that bodies are inherently sexual and they're not. Um, and moreover, moreover, I am not responsible for you looking at my body in a sexual way. So we were talking at lunch that, you know, the idea of covering up things that are sexual triggers for other people is really tricky because we're all sexually inspired by very, very different things. So if you would like to never, ever, ever sexually arouse me, uh, you'd have to cover up necks because for some reason, I, you know, maybe I'm part vampire, but man, I love <laughs> a good neck. Put those necks away. Yeah. Put them away. Put those necks away. Second up, shoulders. Shoulders absolutely uh -oh. kill Okay, right. <laughs> I'm a sucker for like a nice vascular forearm. Oh, right. <laughs> like so. I mean, like, have you guys seen Brandon's forearms? They are veiny. I like it. <laughs> and I totally just thought of that scene in Super Bad where the kids draw that is penises, and he's like, "Here's a nice veiny one." <laughs> oh no, that's not what I'm talking about. Forearms only. Come on, guys. Get your mind out but of the gutter. It's, but it's like, like so, so. As somebody who, you know, appreciates a nice shoulder, especially where it's just that little nook where it goes into the neck, uh -huh. it is like on little, me. Little oh, trap little trap transition. Love that little, oh, trap that little transition. divot right there. And the, oh, God, it kills me. It's actually on I me. I assume Brady's are great. They're pretty delicious, yeah. Um, <laughs> just like put a little soup in there. I do. I spent a lot of time. <laughs> Brady, he's the oh most like, God. Brady's the most quiet, reserved human on the planet. And he's married to me. Um, however, back to my neck divot thing. I'm not going to stop laughing. <laughs> it's on me to control myself. So the idea, the idea that, that, it, that you are responsible for the impulses and behavior of anybody else. Mm -hmm. So at its worst, that's what leads us all the way to sort of victim blaming. Joy cannot stop laughing about soup and, and neck divots. I'm sorry. I was um, so 
I gotta control myself. Okay. <laughs> it gets it, it it when when you make somebody responsible for the behavior and impulses of somebody else, that's where you get into this whole victim blaming territory. So, you know, we haven't I don't know how much digging you've done in my past, but you know, I was violently raped. And literally somebody like Wait, one of the where would that be like published? Like where would we find that about you? Oh, I've written about it a lot. About it, okay. On my on my on the Rocket CrossFit website, there's a, a link to my public speaking and stuff, and there's okay. a huge I, yeah, I know. I, I, did okay. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. What? When was that? The speech or the the, the violent? Oh, rape? it was the summer after I graduated from okay. high school. Okay. Um, and literally, so it was. I mean, it was a particularly hairy situation in that I was I was stalked and somebody broke into my home and raped me in my own bed, which is. It, I mean, it was absolutely fucking terrible. Oh my god. But so, but literally, the police asked me what I was wearing. Yeah. Right. And so which right there, you're like, wait, so you're trying to hold me responsible for the decision that this man made. Like, that's not that is not okay. And I was super fortunate. People always think this sounds strange. I was super fortunate that the circumstances of my rape were so violent and so random and so out there that like, I knew it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I could have done. But that same thinking is like, oh, okay, well, that girl wore a short skirt to the bar. So she was probably asking for it. Or that girl had a conversation with that guy or that girl. And this happens to men also, let's be very clear. You know, I had too many drinks. What did she expect? So then you look at the Brock Turner, right? The the Yale mm-hmm. rapist guy, right? Or Stanford, sorry. And they're like, well, you know, the woman was drunk and passed out in an alley, right? So it's all that same thinking. When you hold anybody else responsible for triggering mm-hmm. somebody else to rape, you've got you've got it all wrong right and so as a society so that so at the core of dress codes in gyms is this idea of decency which gets us back to one of those two things like a either it is indecent to be seen in your body because xyz either your body is inappropriate or somebody else is going to think that it's sexual and that's putting the responsibility for somebody else's thoughts and behaviors onto you and that is just wrong, no matter how you slice it. So then I would argue, here's devil's advocate, because I did see someone comment about this. It's like, oh, I like it because like in our gym, there is a dress code and it kind of just like sets a standard of like, everyone kind of has to wear the same thing and you don't have to worry about, I don't know, someone dressing inappropriately, but then there's that word again. It's like, but what if someone just likes a certain clothing because clothing, it moves better? Like there's, yeah. cer- there's certain shorts that are just uncomfortable for me because my legs are a little bit bigger. So yeah. like I like wearing shorter shorts because yeah. then I don't have to worry about things it's getting all whole, tight. The whole idea of quote appropriate. I mean, if you want to go all the way back socioculturally, right? Like that's a, it's it's largely a, yeah. pure, you know, right. what whatever. It, it is how we, con- it is used to control people. It's not used for anything well, and else. And I think too, like, I think some people see on the opposite of that side of the coin where if other people are wearing short shorts or, you know, working out with other shirt on, that means that that is what they should aspire. Like, that's the goal. And again, this almost even comes back to the conversation of, like, the RX where, you know, if you see other people doing that and you're like, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable doing that. But if that's if they're doing that, then is that what's expected? Like, and, and I think like I've gotten to a place where I definitely used to feel that way where like I, I saw all these things on, on Instagram or whatever. It was like, I finally feel comfortable enough to wear booty shorts. Like I finally got into this point. Oh, I and I love that for people if that's this, you know, if that's like the place that you've been. But like I would internalize that, that, oh, well, that must mean that I have not like arrived and right. if I'm not comfortable wearing that. I'm never going to be comfortable wearing that. I'm just not comfortable in that type of clothing no matter where I am. I'm always going to be more comfortable in pants. I, you know, there, the, I don't, like, I don't feel like pay. there's, yeah, like there's, the, there's nothing deeper about it than that. I'm just the, more comfortable wearing pants. I prob- like pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with this of like, I'm finally able to wear booty shorts yeah. is the implication there is, but I used to have fat, I assume, 
Um, and so then I wasn't able to wear booty shorts. So I don't think we win this conversation Never. until no matter what your body is shaped like, you are comfortable wearing next to nothing. And, and that's think, on us as a society. I that's not that's, on the individual. Yeah, and I think that's more what I've heard from people is that other side where they're like, I am I have finally learned that it's not about what my body looks like, that I yeah. can wear whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And so like, don't you dare take that away from me. Yeah. Like we definitely heard that reaction from people who, who were like, if I was at this gym and I had finally, you know, shed all of right. those pre, those preconceived notions about what I quote unquote could and couldn't wear and I could walk into the gym wearing booty shorts no matter what and then they were like oh you can't do that anymore I'd be like great I'm gonna go find another gym and but I think the the flip side of that coin is like that's not also necessarily the goal that you know because if that at your to your point if that becomes a quote-unquote goal then that means like there's something that apart from just personal preference that's keeping you right. holding you back from doing it now well that's the whole i think in the morning chalk up thing I, I mentioned that one of our members had a like started a shirts off sunday thing at rocket and it was specifically she like put it on the facebook page it was specifically for people who never felt comfortable taking their shirts off because they thought their bodies weren't quote good enough yeah and it was, dude, I cried so hard. I mean, it was like all day long, all of these bodies in every shape and size, just out and sweating. And shirts have never come back on at Rocket. Like, that was it. That was that was the last time that anybody ever felt like they had to stay covered up. And it's really infectious. And I've had, like, people tell me, like, members say that they finally wear bathing suits in public, which they never went to the beach and went swimming before because they felt like their body wasn't good enough to wear a bathing suit. And after spending time at Rocket, they now realize that they can wear a bathing suit in public if they want to. And to me, that's the win. It's not like, I'm finally small enough to wear a bathing no. suit. It's, I get to wear a bathing suit because sun on my belly fucking feels good right and i have that right and i think the key there is like if i want to if i want to and it, it yeah. and it's like again like i go back and i mean i'm i'm really just like preaching to the choir here but i go back to like i don't want to work out with my shirt on because i have nothing to wipe the sweat off my face with if i don't have a shirt on yeah i just feel sweatier like yeah. i can't grab my sports bra strap and be like like, like i hate wearing a shirt and yeah. i can never like i can't have anything touching my legs so i wear <laughs> super short shorts and i usually take my shirt off so i'm just wearing a sports bra and everything jiggles and everything's white and everything has stretch marks and I mean, it's not, you know, whatever, like my, I think that my existing in the gym, like that sets that example mm -hmm. of you're okay, however you are, mm -hmm. you know, cause I don't think anybody's ever aspired to look like my body, but it works and it gets back to like, well, I do all sorts of fun things with it. Yeah. And I think like, maybe they've never looked at you and been like, oh, I want to look like Alyssa, but they probably have looked at you and been like, man, Alyssa doesn't give any Fs. No, like, she doesn't. No, yeah. no, she does not. <laughs> and I think like that's more what I want people to totally. take away is like I don't have to care about this. And we talk about this all the time. And I think I feel like I've said that statement a hundred times of like if I see someone else not caring, it gives me permission to not care. Yeah, totally. And like oh, what a relief you that don't is. Have to care. I don't have to care about that. Like great, we're done caring about that. Yeah. And now I can go care about something that matters. Yeah. Apart from like you know, whether or not I jiggle doing double unders. You know, there's this, this like little saying that, that you see, like if, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't trust this person to give you life advice, don't trust their opinion about your body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why, why? Like, if I'm not going to come to you with my deep, dark secrets about what matters to me in the world, then I'm not I, how you feel about my body doesn't matter. I had a, a light bulb moment a couple weeks ago where, you know, we always talk about our friend Jess on the podcast and Jess will be the first person to say she's morbidly obese. This is, this is a fact about her mm -hmm. body type. And she isn't, you know, she does not take offense to that where I think a lot of people, you know, that term is so loaded. And she is like, yeah, I am. And, you know, that's, a fact about my body and over the last couple of years she's gained and lost significant weight and she had we po posted a picture or we were like sending around a picture in our text thread of us eating ice cream right when we started the podcast like six or so years ago 
And in the picture, she at the time weighed a lot, quite a lot less. And she said something about it and I was like, I have literally never noticed your body shape. Like the size of your body has never registered to me. And not because I'm not like, you know, trying to not pay attention to how to the things that are going on in your life, but because I'm paying attention to the actual things in your life, I'm not paying attention to like how those things are. Yeah, like, right. Your appearance life, is not something that's like the first thing on my radar of like how close. you're looking. Yeah, not even close. Never in my life have I looked at Jess and been like, wow, she's you know, twenty or thirty or forty pounds heavier or lighter. And that to me was this light bulb moment where I was like, no one else around me yeah. cares at all that I like, you know, quote unquote haven't lost the baby weight what's that like the the you would worry a lot less about what people thought of you if you realized how rarely they do yeah it's like nobody <laughs> nobody out there is thinking about you they're all yeah. worrying about you how much you're thinking about them yeah and yeah. i well yeah and that to me was just like this light bulb moment because i think that we because we do spend a lot of time looking at other people's bodies we assume everyone else is looking yeah. at us and it's like at the end of the day actually like the people in your life who you actually who actually care about you and who actually know about your life that's the last thing that they're worried about i would also uh, just to bring it back to crossfit because i can't help myself so as as we are like coaches and gym owners how how we foster that and address that really really matters so first it's easy for me to say okay we're not going to talk about what you look like in this gym and we don't we tell people straight off we there's no talk about weight loss at our gym but i have to give you somewhere else to shift your focus Mm -hmm. right and so like when we work on goal setting we work on literally identifying things that bring you joy Mm -hmm. so how do we make you stronger and better doing those things that bring you joy and then all the little we focus on little behavior changes like well okay if you want to be able to do this then you're going to have to come in the gym three times a week and do abc in order to be able to do X. And so then you're giving people all of these things at which they succeed because they can check these things off their boxes. And then you give them give them other goals that I, I want to be able to do this thing. So I want to run a 10k, I want to be able to overhead squat my body weight 10 times, whatever it is, so that they're taking the focus off of what they look like entirely, and putting that focus entirely onto things they can do and things that bring them joy. Like I know we talked about last time happiness is a nutrient too. Mm-hmm. But the things, how we work with our clients to set goals really matters. So are we feeding that happiness? Are we feeding that joy? And at the same time, accidentally sneaking in behavior changes that become a lifestyle. So the way that you work with them to set goals matters. And so that's why we never talk about weight loss or size as a goal. And I tell people straight up, it's not a goal we support in this gym. It's not a function. It's not a useful goal. What is useful is what do you want to do? How do you want to feel? And what are the little things that you have to do on a regular basis to get there? Because that's how we accidentally sneak you into making lifestyle changes. Yeah. And I can't remember if I actually talked about this in the podcast or if I just made an Instagram post about it. But after we had our last conversation, it provided a lot of clarity for me around like, okay, I have been struggling so hard to verbalize what it is that I feel like I'm I want out of like quote unquote getting my body back and I right. you know I ha- hate that hate phrase, that phrase because, <laughs> I, because that's not what I want however yeah. what I do want is this feeling of physical ability yeah. that I haven't had since prior to my first pregnancy and at which point I was like the leanest most muscular I've ever been and so in my mind I'm like oh so the mud I, what I must be wanting is that lean muscular body like no what I want is the ability for somebody to say hey Claire do you want to go on this hike or hey can you help me lift this thing or hey like let's go do xyz and for right. me to not have to give it a second thought right and that is what I want apart from what my body looks like but it's taken me so long you know since prior to my first pregnancy to be able to like all the whole time I was postpartum with miles you know this whole postpartum time it's taken me that whole time to realize like oh that's what I'm missing is that feeling of physical readiness right not being a size 24 right right yeah it is and that gets it's it's entirely focused on what do you want to do and how do you want to feel yeah it is really it's like truly that simple 
So let's wrap up with talking about the Glamour article that you wrote for Glamour magazine. So I think this ties up nicely to what we were just talking about. Can you give us a rundown? Yeah, short <laughs> rundown, short version. Um, yeah, that was a- and the articles on your well, uh, we'll we'll post a link to the article in the show notes here. The, I think that I, I did not give it the headline, but it, the Glamour gave it the headline of is it time to call bullshit on body positivity? Not a headline I would have chosen. Uh, but the answer to me is yes. Uh, real clearly. And so there's this difference we talked about at, at lunch. Clearly, y'all should have been at lunch. Everyone should have been at lunch with us. Yeah. Maybe but we l- need to just luckily, luckily for you, we are recapping all the important parts of our lunch <laughs> conversation on this episode. Minus, you know, the impact of accents on A lot us. of drama. Um, anyway. <laughs> A lot of hot gossip. <laughs> yes, it is time to call bullshit on po- body positivity because I think this message that we're telling people that you have to love your body is just another way to make people feel like failures. Mm-hmm. So if I wake up in the morning and I look at my body and I don't love it, well, great. On top of having a body I don't love, I'm now also a failure. Fabulous messaging. And so what I was talking about was really it's time, instead of focusing on positivity, it's time to focus on acceptance, um, which gets back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, enough actually is enough. And I don't need more. It's focus on the things that actually work about your body and that feel good about your body. And you don't have to love it. You don't have to love something to treat it with respect. You don't have to love something to treat it with kindness. But I do believe that eventually you can get to a place where you can look at your body. And even if you don't want love what it looks like, you can treat yourself as if you are somebody you love. And so I actually run things through that filter all the time when I'm in my own situations of, okay, how am I going to handle this? Well, how would I handle this if it was for somebody I love? Because I think that I can treat myself with love, even if I don't necessarily feel joy about the shape of my body. Because, you know, I'm, I'm human. I'm 50. I remember when I had, you know, I was a super whatever. I had a body that looked like magazines tell me it should look. And I don't have that body anymore. And every now and then I look at my body and I'm like, oh, body. Do you remember when? But as I told these guys, when I'm, when I'm feeling bad about my, my body, sometimes I'll like strip down and I'll look at Brady and I'll be like, Brady, I don't like this part right now. And he'll rub his face against it and be like, but I love this part. And sometimes that's enough for me. You yeah, know, like it, yeah. it gets me over the it gets me over the hump. Yeah. But getting people to a place where we can accept reality rather than trying to fight for some external thing that we may never be able to achieve and when you then you just feel like a failure all the time and that's not useful i think in the in that article i called it um because i used to be that perky trainer but i was like but i love your body your body looks great and i referred to that in the article as gaslighting people with praise um and i think that that's really what it is is it's like you know you're just like 100 and like i feel like when you do say that to somebody no matter what the situation is it's like if somebody's going through something really hard and they're like i'm struggling and you're like you're no you're doing great and they're sitting there being like like, no. I want you to acknowledge my I'm struggle. struggling. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's kind of a similar thing of just like, no, it's okay to not be doing great. It's okay yeah. to not love everything about your body. But that doesn't mean that you have to turn that into like this deep, dark thing. Right. And certainly don't turn into self-destructive habits, right? Yeah. Because that's where things, you know, I mean, eating eating issues, over-exercising issues, yeah. all, over-consumption, it all stems from hat- hatred. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. and I think it just comes down to as well, when I think about that of like loving your body, I'm like, and just like anything, our emotions are going to be bad sometimes. Totally. And we're going to we're, we're gonna have to just tolerate bad, negative emotions. Oh, we, but so, so here's the thing. I never like, I don't even like, like, I'm in a bad mood or this is a bad feeling. Like I won't even use, I won't even use the language of judgment around my feelings. So I'll just tell Brady, like, today I feel stuck. Today, I just don't feel like getting out of bed, you know? So I'll sort of like, I, I will describe the feeling just using the words Ooh, like neutral like. language or that's really that's good yeah so I, I i i never i try really hard not to say like good and bad and yeah sign. like today i just feel like kind of cranky 
Yeah. Oh, like I've been feeling cranky lately. But, but because because th- those are also really like fertile, right? Like those. If you're able to sit in those feelings, so when when we're taught that feeling sad or bad is like wrong or flawed right. somehow, then we, we got to get rid of it, right? Then with whatever it. means we have. Right. Yeah. So what we get drunk, we get high, we get whatever, or you can just sit in it and explore it. And so right. we, we didn't talk about this at lunch, but I kept thinking this that that we I approach everything from a place of curiosity, right? I think curiosity is the single most important curiosity thing. over judgment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that like a thing? Therapist. Yeah, okay, so I'm not a therapist, but I'm talking a therapist. So so even when I'm like planning programming or goals or having people work out, it's like, I don't know how it's going to go today. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do the same thing with my emotions. Like, I'm curious about this. What's causing this? What can I get out of this? What can I learn from this? And curiosity, so, I truly believe, can like save the world. Oh, I, I really curiosity like, over everything. Like, yeah. Like, we're we're getting ready to start a nutritional challenge. Big deal. Yeah. Getting ready to start a nutritional challenge at the gym. And this is literally the thing. We're going to frame this challenge around curiosity. I want you to be curious about how you feel when you do X, Y, Z. I don't want you to, to say, I'm going to withhold this thing because this will happen because we don't know. Yeah. But let's be curious. And so curiosity is how I approach absolutely everything, including feelings and nutrition and exercise. Otherwise, you want to judge it. So if you're yeah. just like, huh, that's weird. Yeah. It's great. I love curiosity. And with other people, too. Like if you all of a sudden find yourself in this pattern with a relationship and you're like this happens all the time if you just take a pause and you're like why okay why? just ask some questions yeah, it's like, great it's like, such a great tool if you hear something or read something that you don't agree with you can just be like huh i wonder how i might learn more about this or i wonder why how i might learn more about that person yeah we were talking about like um dealing with people who have negative comments like about the podcast or just about things you're doing and the thing i always try to do is think like okay, like, what else can I figure out about, like, where this person's coming from? Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I wish everyone did on social media all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, where are they coming from? Yeah. What is their world like? Why? We just don't know. It's yeah. Not- where are they coming from and why am I reacting like this? Yeah, right. Huh, questions. Let's tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, it's like... Tell the- me more. So here, here's... And then I promise... I promise... <laughs> okay, then we'll be but done because like- I got to take a nap. Yeah, I got to take a nap, too. <laughs> um, you, you always... I always hear this thing where, like, so-and-so overreacted to this situation, and I take just huge umbrage with the phrase overreact because I think of everything as a chemistry experiment, right? Like you put in A and then somebody else put in B and then boom, chemical reaction (laughs) happens. So nobody ever overreacts to anything. You have to back up and say, okay, what went into this that caused this reaction? The reaction itself is neutral. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I think that it it works with parenting. It works with relationships. It works with workouts. Is you've got to always back up from the reaction and say, okay, why did that happen? Not good, bad, right, wrong. Not somebody shouldn't have reacted that way. But this reaction happened why yeah i love curiosity yeah good deal all right that was a good therapy session i feel cleansed (laughs) we we therapized the therapist all the time can you remind everyone where to find you um, and all your articles, they're posted on the Rocket CrossFit website, right? There's a Is lot it? of them. Yeah. So the blog has a lot of stuff. Um, you can also search for my name in my blog, though I haven't like I've taken down all the links. I don't really work on my blog anymore. There's a lot of stuff there. RocketCrossFit.com. They did since our last conversation take down the fake Rocket CrossFit page on Facebook. <gasps> they did. <laughs> so so we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, I put most of my stuff up there. I've written for a million different outlets, so I'm Googleable. Great. You're the best. We love having you. Thank you for enlightening us. And uh, again, in this, I'm just looking, I want to like capture this moment because I'm like, on the podcast, when I listen, but go back and listen to this, I'm like, right now, there's the most looking beautiful the aspen tree, yeah. just twinkling its leaves outside of our window right now. <laughs> it's so pretty. All right, guys. Well, thank you for sitting with us in Whistler. That's it for this week. Bye. I tried to get whistle. <laughs> 